when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hit. And a very good Thursday morning uh, to you. It's a bit of an old miserable morning out there, that's for sure. But the good news is it is expected, as the weather forecast uh, said there, to brighten up uh, this afternoon. So if you've got anything to do, maybe stay indoors for the morning and then arrange to do whatever it is you need to do uh, this afternoon. Bernie's taking your calls uh, today because John Paul is off for the rest of the week. So 1850 If there's anything you want to comment on in the programme or any issue that you want uh, raised. We've already had a call in this morning from Mel in Delmamway who is looking to buy a typewriter. Does anybody have a second-hand typewriter for sale? The old-fashioned typewriter that you put the paper in. Uh, Mel likes to write short stories and uh, likes working on the old-style typewriter. I mean, the typewriters were kind of replaced by laptops and uh, computers, but there are still people like our Mel who like the idea of clicking away on an old style typewriter. Does anybody have a typewriter in a back room in a storage facility, the back of the wardrobe that you're not using and will be willing to sell on? It might get you some cash for Christmas. Mel's number is 087 And Mel, we wish you luck and hope that you do manage to get a typewriter and best of luck with your short stories. We were talking about driving licence yesterday and changes to driving licence well changes to the penalty points and the fines if you are pulled over by a member of Angarda Shikona and asked to produce your driver's licence and if you don't have it the discretion that the Gardaí have at the moment Shane Ross wants to remove that discretion whereby if you don't have your driver's licence with you you will then instantly be fined 80 euro and the penalty automatically pick up penalty points I think it was the penalty points most upset people yesterday the idea of just by just driving you know really really well a very safe driver and to think that you could pick up penalty points just because you forgot to have your driving licence with you or your driving licence was in another vehicle or you changed your coat and you realised you know halfway through the journey oh my driver's licence is in the other coat and to think for that you could pick up penalty points and that really annoyed people I suppose on a number of of, uh, levels if you picked up enough of the penalty points you could end up off the road but also as a number of people uh, pointed out it's the implications on on the cost 
uh, for your car insurance because they always ask when you were renewing your car insurance did you pick up any penalty points and of course if you've picked up penalty points your car insurance will inevitably go up so the cost of forgetting your driving licence if this proposal goes through this is just something that's been mooted and suggested by the Transport Minister uh, Shane Ross so the cost is more than just the 80 euro fine there could be a knock-on cost with your car insurance and that's what seemed to have upset uh, so many people yesterday a um, couple of comments in on that uh, email to Patricia at c103.ie Hi Patricia listening to your show regarding the driving licence holders I was thinking is it possible to purchase a second licence this would solve the problem for people who drive multiple vehicles and no we've checked that you're only allowed to have one driving licence and if you lose your driving licence and that licence automatically gets cancelled and you get reissued with another driver's licence. So no, unfortunately not possible to have two or more driving licences. I know the point you're making. We're still, by the way, and I know John Paul sent off an email yesterday trying to get clarification on would it be possible to have a photocopy of your driving licence in your car you know if you drive a number of different cars or that you'd always in the glove compartment have a photocopy in case your driving licence is in your wallet or in your handbag and you don't have that wallet or that handbag with you would the Gardaí would a member from Gardaí Chicona accept a photocopy we're we're still waiting on clarification I have a funny feeling they'll say no but let's wait until we get clarification on that and Anthony says as a backup to not having the licence on you for whatever reason why can't the powers that be issue a a search that you could put up on your windscreen a little bit like your tax disc, your NCT disc and your insurance disc. In this era of technology there has to be another way around this uh, says uh, Anthony so we would when you get your driving licence or if you renew your driving licence it would also come with a disc that you'd put on the windscreen now I know if you're driving multiple uh, cars or you drive a work car and then you drive the you know your own car at home you know what windscreen would you put up the disc that would be one of the arguments uh, there anyway we need to wait and see what happens with this proposal from Shane Ross because certainly the independent alliance of TDs, the rural TDs are very much against what Shane Ross is planning to introduce between this and also his suggestion of extra penalty points for speeding. The more you're caught speeding, the higher the more over the speed limit you are, the more penalty points you will receive. But again, it is the rural TDs that are pointing out people in rural areas. A driving licence is not a luxury. It is a necessity. If you're in a city area, it's okay. If you lose your licence, not that you want anybody to lose their licence, but you have alternatives. If you're in a rural area, you certainly don't have alternatives. You either have the car or, or you have nothing. So if there's more things put in place that you can gain penalty points are the higher the chance of you losing your driving licence that's the argument that's been forward, been put forward by the Independent Alliance so there's going to be I imagine a lot of arguments dare I say filibustering going on when Shane Ross tries to get any of these new proposals through uh, the door. Now coming up on the programme this morning 
we're going to be trying to find out and get tips and words of advice on how to donate safely to charity this Christmas. It is the time of year when all of us, I think, are more generous and we all like to think of people less well off than ourselves and you know if you have an extra little bit you like to think of well let's see if we can help somebody out be that donating to your local St Vincent de Paul buying items for the hampers that the Lions Club uh, organise maybe donating to a group like Cork Penny Dinners giving to the ISPCC who look after children at Christmas and it goes on and on and on and we all like to do our bit our bit but unfortunately there are fraudsters and scam artists and criminals out there who prey on our generosity at this time of year and there's all kinds of scams and bogus charity collectors doing the rounds so we decided to invite the charities regulator to join us on the programme today just to give us tips just to make sure that when we are donating our hard earned cash that it is going to to the right cause and to a genuine cause so we'll be we'll be chatting about that in a couple of minutes and actually then I see on yesterday's Echo there is a piece about the Rainbow Club for Children with Autism this is a club that runs in the city and they have discovered that a number of male teenagers posing as fundraisers made house calls in the Mayfield area claiming that they were collecting for the Rainbow Club for Children with Autism and the founder of this group a lady by the name of Karen O'Mahony has gone public uh, to say that you know they, they have nobody collecting in the Mayfield area. They have nobody going uh, door to door. And uh, she makes kind of, she's a message to these young teenagers who are going, these young male teenagers going around getting money in her name, saying, as a mother of two boys with autism, I'm asking those boys to take a good look at themselves. Absolutely shame on them. Shame on them. So if anybody calls to your door from the Rainbow Club for Children with uh, Autism, check with them immediately um, and see what sort of ID they have on them. And you can be well sure that the minute you look for any kind of ID or the minute you look for any kind of permit, they'll be gone and away from your doorstep pretty quickly. The founders of Plastic Free Kinsale didn't get to this yesterday but we're going to get to it today. We'll talk to the two ladies behind this uh, group just to see how they're getting on and also to offer us words of advice around our plastic use and I suppose with coming up to Christmas all the amount of packaging and I'm really I'm trying to be conscious of that uh, this Christmas when I'm wrapping presents and when I'm looking at giving presents. And what I've what, what I've been trying to do lately is get, you know, the gift bags and the cardboard gift bags, because I'm thinking they're definitely recyclable rather than and be, be careful of the foil wrapping paper. That certainly is the wrapping paper that can't be uh, recycled. Living with dementia. We are going to be discussing this in the second hour of the programme. I have a young journalist based in Cork who will wrote a really, really heartfelt piece in the Irish Times a couple of months ago about her late father who passed away. I think his anniversary is around, uh, is around now. She, but she wrote about her dad's last six weeks battling with dementia and it, she really has a harrowing story to tell. And we're tying that in with a free community dementia service that has recently been launched um, by St Luke's Home uh, in the city. So we're going to speak with the young nurse who's involved with, who's heading up this community service, uh, dementia uh, community uh, service. So if you have a question with regard to dementia, 
or you're living with dementia or you have a family member who you're looking after, where do you go for help and advice? And some people, family members in particular, trying to support their loved one with dementia can feel very, very isolated. And that's where this free community dementia programme comes in and, and hopefully will be able to help out many, many families going forward. So that's happening in the second hour of the programme. We're also a member of Angarda Shiakona uh, joining us for this week's uh, Crime File. And then it being Thursday, Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us answering all of your pet questions. So anytime throughout the morning, if you have a pet question, get it in either to Bernie, who's filling for John Paul at 1850 333103, or you can text her WhatsApp 86 
the Pogues and uh, Kirsty McCall on C103 and that is Fairy Tale of New York. Eileen, the homeless lady that we spoke with last week on the programme. We'd spoken with her as well during the summer at the moment. She's couch surfing. She's spending some nights in her car um, and she desperately wants to be in a house that she has identified. She has a house re- re- ready for rent. She just needs to get the HAP scheme in place and the landlord willing to accept the HAP scheme and all of that and she wants it in place by Christmas which is fast approaching because her son is coming home and she does not want to, for her son to see her in, in a homeless shelter or an emergency accommodation. She just thinks it will be just so, so uh, upsetting, particularly when she has this house uh, identified. Anyway, she has just contacted us to say she got a letter from Limerick County Council saying her application is ineligible. And Limerick County Council, she's claiming or saying is not the area she lives in, even though she says she's always lived in in Limerick, her doctor's in Limerick, she's always dealt with Limerick County Council. They have now told her that she needs to apply to Cork County Council. It is making absolutely no sense at all. Um, and at the moment, I know she's on the border where, where she's staying at the moment with couch surfing, but that's, that's not, her, that's not her, her official address. Um, OK, I know we passed that on to a TD, a Limerick TD, to try and take a look at. Leave it with us, Eileen, and, and we'll see if we can get any further clarification. But I, I'm so disappointed for you when I saw your name come up on the screen. I was hoping it was going to be a little bit of good news and that you were going to tell us that it all got uh, sorted out. Um, that's very, very unfortunate indeed. OK, let me go back to a uh, driver's licence. Johnny in uh, Ballyclaw uh, says he runs taxis and minibuses. So he's always jumping from one vehicle to another one. He says, if you get a photocopy of your driver's licence, bring it into the Garda station and get it stamped in the Garda station, he says that uh, will do. He keeps a photocopy of his driver's licence in every single vehicle that he might be driving in because he'll never know uh, on any one day if he's going to be in the taxi in the morning then he might need to do a bus run in the afternoon and if he's in, there was always the fear that he wouldn't have his driver's licence with him. So he obviously got that checked by Angarda Shiakona but so you need but for obviously for that to work you'll need to go in with your photocopy into the Garda station show them your original show them your photocopy and they stamp it for you. But thank you. Good to know that there's uh, we have uh, some clarification on that while we were waiting for the powers that be to get back on. 
on to uh, tell us about it because Audrey reckons that a photocopy wouldn't work. Um, uh, she was saying you'd have to have the original one. Um, and Audrey says, I think Minister Shane Ross has fallen on his head. We have enough laws as it uh, is. If only the laws that were already in place were implemented. We need better enforcement, says uh, Audrey. Also on licences, Texas says, I've heard that if you get three points with some insurance companies, your policy is void. Is that true? Never heard of that. I would suggest if it's the company where you have your car insured with, give them a buzz and check it out. I've never heard it. What I've heard of is if you do pick up penalty points when you next go to get your insurance renewed, you can expect to pay more on your premium. But I certainly have never heard of you pick up penalty points and then that particular insurance policy is void. But as I say, just to be sure, to be sure, check with if if because you're naming a company I'm not naming the company because I certainly have never heard it before but check with the company just to be uh, doubly sure Ridiculous loss as another texter if it comes in as you say if you changed your coat or changed your bag you you might not have your licence on you and if you leave it in the glove compartment of your car permanently is there a danger of what would happen if your car gets stolen there's your licence gone uh, with it Someone else says the new driver's licence now are credit card style they're not like the old paper ones so they're much easier to keep in your wallet and keep in your purse at all times. And a suggestion that's come in again and it came in a number of times yesterday says, why not put your driver's licence into the cover of your mobile phone? Nobody leaves their home without their mobile phone. A number of people actually made the same suggestion yesterday, but then we heard from one of our listeners who said, did the very same thing. Always have my driver's licence in the little cover part of my mobile phone and also in there a 50 euro note, an emergency 50 euro note in case I ever got caught out. Guess what happened last week? Mobile phone got robbed. So the mobile phone got robbed. The emergency 50 euro went with it. Unfortunately, so did the driver's licence. So having it in the cover of your mobile phone while it's always with you, I, I, I absolutely accept you're right. People never go anywhere without their mobile phone. But is it the safest if the mobile phone uh, gets uh, stolen? 1850 333 103 and Mel uh, by text. Sorry, where's that gone? Uh, is Mel Mary in Roscarbury? is looking for Mel's number in Dunmanway who's looking for the typewriter. This could be a sign of good news for Mel. 87 6500174 That's Mel in Dunmanway who likes to write sh- short stories and he is looking for the old-fashioned typewriter. Uh, he would like to buy one. 1850 Let's take a break. By the way, the phones have been very busy already this morning since you've come on air and I know how frustrating it is for people when phones uh, ring out but Bernie's on her own answering the calls so you can always request a call back by texting or whatsapping 0862 103 103. Now lots of people feel very generous at this time of year and they like to donate to those less fortunate than ourselves. With that in mind, the Charities Regulator is advising the general public to check the Charities Register as the first step when it comes to donating safely to good causes this Christmas. Eamon Timmons is Head of Communications with the Charity Regulator and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you Eamon. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, great to have you on the programme. Is this the most important time for charities when it comes to raising funds, this lead into Christmas? Well, I think charities fundraise all year round, but I think 
Christmas in particular is for many charities a very important time because, you know, people are feeling good. They are feeling kind of aware of how well off we are or, you know, so it is an important time. We want the public to support registered Irish charities. We want to do that and give them a little bit of peace of mind in doing so because there are a lot of other organisations. Well, there's some organisations out there trying to take advantage of people's goodwill at this time of the year. So we just want to make sure that people can give to registered Irish charities with a bit of peace of mind. So we've got our top tips out there, starting, as you said, with the charities register. The charities regulator, one of our functions is to compile this register. And there's over 9,700 registered Irish charities. If you're a registered Irish charity, you must be on the register. And what? What sort of information is on that register? Well, it's everything from who the trustees are to what your charitable purpose is. If you've been trading a few years, your accounts are on there. If you're a CL, if you're a company limited by guarantee, if you're an association, they don't they don't have their accounts up there. So you, you, there's, there's a lot of information. So where your money's come from, where it's gone to, who your trustees are, what your charitable purpose is. There's a short kind of um, uh, work report as to what you've done during the year and how, you, how you're spending the money. So there's a lot of information. It's a good starting point. But first and foremost, it establishes for the public that you are a registered charity if you can see your name up there you're a registered charity so we'd urge people you know if they're out and about this weekend and they, they they're being approached from for you know they see ads in the paper ads on the radio or um, emails you know to check then check check uh, on the charities register so you can go into charitiesregulator.ie and there's information for the public you click on that and you can see you can key in the name of the organization so if you're out and about in the street we'd urge you to check you know if there's any materials you've been handed any 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 signs or posters to check the name of the charity the logo the registered charity number um, that appears and to check if they have a contact phone number and if you're if in doubt ring that phone number um, if you're meeting a collector on the street make sure that they have official identification all collectors should have a photo ID they should also have a permit to collect in that area um, I would engage with them if you're in any way doubtful engage do they know what the charity does ask them a few questions about it we one thing we cannot stress enough Patricia, is that we do not want people to give out personal details or credit card details or online account details unless they're sure that they're giving those to a trusted source. So that's very, very important. And if you suspect there's something wrong, ring the charity, make contact with the charity, let them know. And I know we've done these radio interviews in other stations around the country, and there's been a number of charities who are um, whose good name is being destroyed by people going out collecting door-to-door on their behalf, and they're not, they're not bona fide collectors at all. So if you think there's something wrong, contact the charity immediately and let them yeah, know. Yeah, actually, when I mentioned that you were coming on, I was I mentioned a piece that was in uh, last night's Echo from a, a Cork charity. It's the Rainbow uh, Club for Children with uh, Autism. And they won a they, big prize this week. They won one of the Charity Impact Awards this week. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, I yeah, didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah. But they had um, some uh, a number of male teenagers posing as fundraisers calling door to door in the Mayfield area and it was nothing to do with the charity. So the, the, the best thing you can do for that charity is to contact them and let them know. I am really let the guards know as well because the problem is sometimes if you shut the door and think that's a dodgy one I'm not giving to them. Your next door neighbour might be caught by them or somebody down the road. So um, very often what we find when we find these kind of dodgy collectors in an area once the guards are aware this in the squad car down the street those guys are gone immediately. Um, but it's important for the charity to be, to be informed as well. We also have concerns you can lodge a concern with the charity's regulator um, but you know to some degree that's not going to stop the person on the street today um, that might be down the road we might catch them but um, so you can go onto the charity regulator website and under information for the public you can raise a concern about a charity or an organisation very often a lot of the, the concerns are not about charities but by organisations posing as charities who aren't registered charities at all that is an offence under the Charities Act to do that 
And then what about the, the leaflets uh, for clothes collections with the charities named on them that they're still coming through our, our doors? Uh, I mean, I think I probably get one, one a week. Yeah. Should we be wary of those? Very wary. And it's the same, it's the same criteria that we, we, with the Christmas charities, whether you're collecting at Christmas or whether you're collecting door-to-door all year round. Last year, we received about 30 concerns, 30 reports from the public about that. This, so far this year, we've got 123 in. And uh, it's about 30, there's a, related to about 30 organisations organizations around the country. There's two or three or four big ones around the country. Um, And, you know, again, um, I I would go through exactly the same process. Have they a phone number? Have they a charity number? Check the register. Um, Have their contact number. Um, we last this time last year we published leaflets which from organisations which are not registered charities with crosses, with daffodils, with pink ribbons, with um, doves. Um, many of them trying to mimic um, bona fide, legitimate Irish registered charities. Um, they're presenting themselves as charities. Um, they're not charities. Now, to some people who just want to get rid of their unwanted goods, fine. I don't have an issue. Although it is an offence under the Act to present yourself as a charity or, or to lead a reasonable person to think you're a charity when you're not. But if you genuinely when you want your goods and your items to go to a charity, well then, you know, you need to be careful. You need to be very, very careful. There's a lot of these guys out there at the moment. Um, the guards are aware. We're engaging with the guards around these. These guys are quite difficult to catch. A lot of the phone numbers, a lot of the addresses, they don't exist. Yeah. You, unless you catch them in the act, um, it's very hard to, to, to pursue them. So we do need people to be extremely vigilant about that. And, you know, the beauty of those is that you can take the bag in, you know, you're not expected to give stuff on the spot. So you can take it in, you can do a bit of research, you can ring a few phone numbers, um, you can actually do a bit of checking before you do anything, and then you don't have to put the bag back out at all. Um, but it is, there, there's a, certainly a big issue in this area, and um, I think people do need to be very wary, if, particularly if they want to make sure that the goods they're giving are going to a, to a charity. Okay, Claire says, every year, for the last number of years, I've received Christmas cards that are rather expensive from a charity. I don't want to buy them, so I send them back every year, but they won't stop sending them to me. Yeah, I, I wonder does that change now with GDPR coming in um, since May? Um, if they if they have your address and you ask them to unsubscribe you to take you off their list, they have to do that now under the law. Um, so they should not be doing that. Um, I, I wonder are they actually a registered charity? Um, but certainly that is um, that 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 would not be good practice. I think it mm. may be illegal under depending on how they've got your email address and what permission you've given. But even regards for permission you've given, you've asked them to, to unsubscribe you from that mailing list. They must do that. And and you should also only give to charity, uh, Eamon, when you want to give and, and you can afford to do it. You shouldn't feel bullied into yeah, giving I think, to charity. I think everybody, I, and I think uh, you know, I think that that that's a given. That you know, you should only give what you can afford and when you want to give. Um, uh, you know, that's that, that that I would take that as a given to a starting point um, yeah and people have to you know have to decide what they can give and when they can give it yeah definitely Okay and somebody I was going to mention this by the way I just see two texts coming in saying is that Eamon Timmons from Age Action uh, it's, it's, Eamon, it's Eamon Timmons formerly of Age Action formerly of Age he's Action, now with yeah. the charities uh, regulator um, how are you get, you're getting on well there yeah, obviously and, you know, and it's an interesting switch because you do have an understanding of the charity sector and, and the challenges the charities face um, and one of the challenges they face is, is, is having that public trust and transparency so a lot of the work the regulators doing, even interviews like this, we're trying to build that public trust and confidence um, in, you know, Irish charities. So, you know, last month we published a code of governance to help charities run their organisations to a degree where they can earn public trust and confidence. And there's a, there's a, a huge number of amazing charities out there, but it's the, the couple of bad apples in, in the barrel that are bringing them down. And so certainly one of the reasons I drove into charities regulators to kind of say, well, look, we, we have a regulator, we have legislation to protect charities, so let's, let's, let's go out and, 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 and drive that. 
And it's good that people recognise you because you, you are someone who did fantastic work with Age Action and you're, you're someone who's trusted. So that's good as well. Um, I'm, I'm actually shocked to hear that figure. 9,700 registered charities. Yeah. That's a lot. Of, we are a generous nation. And I, you know, it's a sign of a, a healthy society that people still, and the, people talk about the, the paperwork and the bureaucracy of becoming registered as a charity, but there's people out there who still, in their own communities, see a need and want to get out and, and, and fix it and contribute. So I think it's a very healthy sign. And people say, are there too many? Well, that's not our call, the Act registers charities. If you pass the test, you can become registered as a charity. So the general public will decide if there's too many, um, you know, through their donations and through their support. Um, but certainly we would be encouraging people before they set up a charity to look around to see who else is already addressing that need. I think one of the things we're trying to do with our registration process here is to stop what we call the Saturday night charities, where you and I meet for a pint and say, oh, do you know there's a great cause? Do you know what we're going to do, Patricia? We're going to set up a charity. So we are trying to encourage people to have a look around to see, well, are there all people already addressing this need? Can you support them, um, you know, can you get, set up a branch and help them do their work rather than setting up a new charity? So we are kind of cognizant, uh, you know, of the need for people, you know, to, that the Act allows people to set up charities and uh, 9,700 have, um, but also that, to, to have a look around to make sure that you're not duplicating things. Okay, Anna Newmarket has a child sponsored overseas. She's always wondering, are they all re- reputable charities? You know, you can sponsor a child for so much a month. Well, you know, what I would what I recommend Anne to do is to ring the charity and ask ask for the details to reassure herself. You know, say, well, can you know, show me what you're doing, tell me how you're helping that child. You know, how does how does my where does my 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 tenure or a month or whatever go to? How does that money? You know, ask the question. You know, um, we really we would be encouraging charities to be as transparent as they can be to, t- to you know to support their own donor base and to support you know one of the, you know one of the things we were talking about earlier is when we have a couple of scandals and does it bring down every charity? Well, it shouldn't bring down the charities or already have an existing relationship with their own donors and their own support base and, you know, their own community of supporters. They should be communicating with those, letting them know what they're doing, letting them know the challenges they're having. Um, So if Anne has any doubts about that, she should ring that charity and ask them. And if they're a good charity, they should should be willing to come back and tell her exactly how that money has been spent, how they're helping that child in Africa. I can see a couple of other people are talking about the Christmas cards and it's it's the same charity is coming up. Maybe check it with the charities. I I might do it actually um, um, when when I'm off air um, and I can get back to people on it but Eamon listen we leave it there thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme that is uh, Eamon Timmons who is the Head of Communications with the Charity Regulator Now earlier this week I spoke with the EPA about a study they had conducted which showed that Irish households and businesses are all too often putting the wrong waste into the wrong bin that led to a conversation about plastic and how the world is drowning in plastic it was suggested we should have a chat with the group Plastic Free Kinsale to get tips on what we can all do to end this scourge on the environment. Madeline Murray and Dr Tara Shine are the founders of Plastic Free Kinsale and they join me. We will start with uh, Madeline. Good morning to you, Madeline. Good morning. Thanks uh, for having uh, me. And, and you, you're welcome. This all started last January when you and Tara put a video online. Just remind us of that and what happened then. So we got together and we had a group, we had a focus group for a selection of people in Kinsale and they got really animated around the topic of plastic specifically and we decided that we would do something for our local town to help reduce the amount of plastic people were consuming and teach them how to recycle it correctly in the event that they had it and we created a small simple video on the typical packaging associated with the spaghetti bolognese dinner and it went completely viral. Were were you (laughs) surprised by the reaction to the video? 
Yeah, oh my God, absolutely. It was made for our neighbours and friends. We had no idea how far it would travel, but it gave us a really good indication of what information people were missing and what they desperately needed to know. I, I, I remember seeing it and I thought it was one of the best uh, infomercials I'd seen in a long while because there's a lot of confusion out there about what can and can't go into the bin. That's why I wasn't surprised when the EPA came out with their report. Yeah, no, um, there's a lot of confusion around what can and can't be recycled right now in Ireland and the parameters are constantly changing. So right now, currently in Ireland, you can't recycle soft plastics and that was a huge revelation to a lot of people, you know. They had, they've been diligently putting all their plastic in the recycling bin up until that point. Will we ever get to the stage of being able to recycle soft plastics? There, I think we're looking into it. This is Tara. And Hi, Tara. There are certainly people, you know, beavering away at trying to come up with a solution. It is physically possible to recycle it. We just don't have that facility in Ireland um, or a facility that we can get to in a cost-effective way in Europe. So that is something to be worked on. In the meanwhile, what we do is try to help people to see where they have a choice. So, you know, a lot you have more choice now than you ever had before with most of the supermarkets in the fruit and veg aisle. They are steering and they're slowly changing. Um, and so you'll probably find apples loose or apples in wrapped in plastic. So at least you have the choice. So, um, you know, and that's, that's one way of leaving the soft plastics behind and not buying it at all. Yeah, not buying it. In the, really, with the soft plastics, you have to reduce the amount you buy at all. Now, that, on some things that is really hard, um, pasta and rice come in a soft plastic bag. And until that changes up the supply chain, there's not a lot that the consumer can do. Um, but on other things like with bread and um, baked goods, fruit and veg, there you you are starting to have more of a choice. Um, and then you even do around like other fresh things like, um, you know, cheese, meat, fish, um, you know, in your supermarket or even perhaps outside the supermarket in the little shop, you will be able to buy those things without so much packaging. Um, and your goal is to get Kinsale to go single use plastic free. Yeah, we want we want to see what you know within our town of five thousand people how much change we can make. So plastics are always going to be needed in society. They're very important in medicine and medical devices and to- for toxic chemicals and all kinds of things. But it's the single use element of plastic, like using using a product that's meant to last for hundreds of years, which plastic is for ten or twenty minutes, just doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, we're trying to make tin single use plastic free, but we also do other things around. Um, how to reduce waste, how to avoid waste, we do beach clean. So it's, it's, you know, it's much more fun and dynamic than just kind of, you know, one-way messaging on single-use plastic. Uh, but we've had a great response from the towns. We've lots of businesses that are signed up and that are, you know, really keen on providing their customers with um, alternatives to single-use plastic. The schools are on board, a lot of the clubs are on board. And then, yeah, for the households, um, people keep texting us back and messaging us on social media telling us how you know, the tips that we're giving them are helping them to really fundamentally change how they're living at home. Well done. Well, well done. And I know when we spoke with the EPA, the number of parents who contacted us who were talking about their, their children and what their children are learning in school and, and the green projects, uh, the environmental projects that are going on in the school. Tara, do you have hope for the future that the next generation coming up are going to be better than us when it comes to recycling and, and what we should and shouldn't be buying? Absolutely. So it's great. There are loads of programs out there for kids through the green schools. And we, we set up as well a program that's free online called Plastic Free for Schools. Um, but our, and that's great. But we don't have the time to wait for our kids to grow up. So our whole imperative is 
that we need to change. We need to educate the grown-ups now. So whether you're a young millennial sharing a house with four people, whether you're a mum and dad with three kids, or whether you're a young retiree or an older retiree, we want to educate you. Um, because we can't leave this to our kids. We're not going to wait 12 years for our kids to, to grow up to lumber them with this problem. We need to make the change for them now. And they can help us because they're learning all the right stuff in school. And Madeline, as consumers, we can all do our bit as well by putting pressure on the larger retailers and the food producers. Yeah, it starts by um, educating ourselves first. So I think that's why our social media has had such impact because people want the facts and people are actually perfectly capable of understanding complex Mm. issues around sustainability. And we hope that our messaging is smart enough to make complex um, problems clear. So what we do is make videos and small little um, information, info things, infographics, etc. on our social media channels to let people know what is the better thing to do. It's all about choice for us. And then those people go into their shops informed. You know, people, we always say people have far more power than they realise and every single thing they do matters. Because a lot of people are feeling very overwhelmed around the sustainability issue and there's a lot of doom and gloom information out there about climate action and climate change. Um, and we always say that, yes, we're in an emergency state now, but there is hope and there is opportunity in that. Yeah. And, with, and, uh, yeah, and Tara, with Christmas just around the corner, the amount of packaging and waste, mm. will, it'll be incredible. Yeah, no, it will be. And again, it's, it's really a think before you shop. We just made some videos um, uh, for Plastic We Can Save, but also Change by Degrees, which is our, our new social enterprise to help people make one degree of change at a time. So we don't want to put people off by the need to be perfect. So if all you do this Christmas is watch our little videos that will be out next week on Christmas trees and wrapping paper, little hints and tips on how to reduce the, the waste that you're producing, that's good. You know, change one small thing. So maybe this year, instead of a whole lot of unnecessary wrapping paper, get a bit creative and make sure that the wrapping paper that you use is just paper. It doesn't have, like, glitter and shiny stuff on it because that stuff can't be recycled. Go easy on the sellotape. Use a bit of string instead. See, you know, I think people enjoy enjoy your being creative and inventive around that stuff as well. So yeah, every single little degree of change you make, that's our motto and change by degrees, um, makes a big difference. Okay, well done. We've been doing our bit here by getting people to wrap their uh, Christmas, um, their presents in brown paper and then getting creative with the ribbons. Yeah, so or, we've been doing, we do, or, or a pretty tea towel or, you know... Uh, that can be used stuff. again. Well done, well done. Okay, listen, ladies, it was lovely talking to you. Uh, thank you for that. And, and no doubt we'll talk again. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us today. And and many happy returns. Bye-bye. Madeline uh, Murray and Dr. Tara Shine, who were the founders. They're they're terrific ladies. They really are of Plastic Free Kinsale. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year 
Christmas is long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Andy Williams on C103, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Jane reacting to our chat with uh, Madeline and uh, Tara from Plastic Free Kinsale Group. Jane says, Patricia, I've wondered for years why RTE don't do a detailed programme on recycling to include what we can and what we cannot recycling and giving us all tips. Saying soft plastic is one thing, but when you actually see it, you realise just exactly what exactly is soft plastic. Many people are still not sure. They could also show how the recycling factories work. Some of my colleagues, for example, put small torn up pieces of paper into the recycling. I can imagine it must drive the staff and the recycling plants nuts. But people just don't know any different. Instead of wasting hundreds of thousands of wages, I think RT needs to do a recycling programme. Uh, thanking you, says uh, Jane. And actually somebody else is on about uh, RTE as well. Tom and from Wise said, the wages that the fat cats have on RTE and we have people in this country with no uh, homes. All of the papers, obviously, picking up on the story of the top 10 earners have been released for um, RTE. Yeah, and some of the figures are really mind-boggling. Uh, Ray Darcy and, and Ryan and Ryan Chopperty and Ray Darcy are at the top, but I'm assuming the reason that their wages are so high, close to half a million each, I assume will be justified by RTE because they do TV and radio and the amount of revenue that's generated around both of their programmes. Joe Duffy's in third place, 389,000. Sean O'Rourke, just over 300,000. Marion Finucan, who presents her two weekend shows, 300,000. Miriam Callahan, just about a 299. She comes in just under the 300,000 figure. Claire Byrne, 216. 
Brian Dobson, 198,000. George Hamilton, 186. And Mary Wilson, 185. Yeah, they're huge, huge sums of money. Um, and what annoys a lot of people is the fact that people feel we pay for that to our television licence that we pay every week. But of course, that isn't the only revenue RTE get in. They generate money from advertising as well. Anyway, I, I kind of knew that that was going to annoy at people. Uh, by the way, when we were talking with Eamon Timmons, the of the charity uh, regulator, we got some calls and texts in about people getting Christmas cards and the Christmas cards that people are complaining about because they're they're getting them and they don't want to get them are the cards from the disabled uh, artists and somebody was wondering are they an actual registered charity? So I checked, I went on to the charity's register when we were in news at 11 there and it, they're not registered as a charity so then we got back on to Eamon and Eamon says no they're definitely not registered as, as a charity but they don't have to be registered as a charity and we're just assuming when you when you see something like that that it's a charity it doesn't have to be registered Bernie's doing some work um, as I speak to try and find out more information from them but what seems to be annoying people is the fact that the cards arrive when people don't want the cards so Eamon says if you don't want to keep getting the cards you should contact them directly and ask to be taken off the list as they cannot keep sending cards to you if you don't want to receive them and that's all the new data protection laws that are in place. I actually, on a personal note, got two sets this year. I got one from Cork where I traditionally always seem to get them from but there was a second bunch I'm I'm sure arrived from Dublin. The Cork one, we have a telephone number and there's an address on it so Bernie's working on that so we'll see if we can find out. Firstly, are they they're, they're obviously not a charity that they're not if, because they're not registered with the charity register we take it that they're not a charity but also we're trying to find out from them what sort of system they have in place if people contact them to be taken off the mailing list because it seems people's names are on the mailing list and people are getting more than one set of cards and some people feel obliged when they get them to actually buy them when you know they might this one of the points I made with Eamon you should only give to charity a, if you have the money to do it, and uh, B, uh, if you re- you know if you really trust in the charity and you want to donate money, you shouldn't be bullied in any way. And by, by something being sent in the post, you certainly shouldn't feel bullied uh, by that. Now, some reaction to poor old Eileen, the homeless lady who we spoke with last week, who has this house identified but she needs to get the HAP scheme uh, for it. She was applying to Limerick County Council. She's just been told by Limerick County Council that her application is ineligible, that she it's not the area where she lives, even though she said, I do live in Limerick, my doctor's in Limerick. She seems to be sort of on the border between Cork and uh, Limerick. Limerick County Council have now told her to apply to Cork County Council. So she really is stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I know a lot of people were touched by her story when they heard her on air last week with John Paul when I was off. Texas says, Trish, could her landlord not allow her to stay in the house as she will be paying rent and then start the application for HAP as she will have in Limerick address? Stupid not allowing her in while she has the money to pay the rent. That's just my opinion, says a texter. And Phil says, poor Eileen. It's a wonder Limerick County Council didn't wait until Christmas Eve to tell her this wonderful news how cold and hard some people can be why wasn't she told that in the beginning give me strength unbelievable hang in there Eileen you will get there 
with or without them there's something out there waiting for you lots of love uh, and that's from uh, Phil yeah and as I say I know we had a TD in Limerick working on it for her trying to get it sor- sorted out but now the dilemma um, is it is it Cork County Council that we should be working on rather than Limerick County Council if Limerick County Council seem to be just washing their hands of poor old uh, Eileen. It really is very, very upsetting indeed. Patricia, this is from Dennis. I'm listening to your driver's licence discussion for what seems like forever now. I'm driving since I was 17 and I've always had the paper licence and now the new style credit card uh, driver's licence and I have that in my wallet. I simply can't understand why this is a problem for some people. It's not like you walk into a shop and say, I'll take that food there now and I'll pay for it in 10 days time as my money's in the glove compartment of another car. Or maybe people could get a tattoo of the licence on their arm. I am honestly sick in the head from this and I'm turning off the radio until next week when you might have something new to talk about. Kind regards, says uh, Dennis. Sorry, Dennis, that we upset you so much. Can I just give you another quick text though, Dennis? I hope the radio's off for you. Uh, someone says, if you lose your licence, you can get a replacement for the period left on it, but that has to be and must be stamped by a member of Ungarda Shia corner. And is this road rage or stupidity, says a texter. This morning in LEP, the traffic lights went green as two cars came within 30 metres of the light. A truck driver waiting at the lights drove forward blocking the road. One car driver managed to get into the shut off side of the road with great difficulty but therefore allowing traffic movement uh, again. By this time the lights had gone red holding up the traffic for a further three minutes. Is it road rage or is it stupidity? Or is it just people who are just in too much of a rush and there is nothing worse when there's a backup of traffic and it's blocked up because somebody, the, the backup is caused because somebody has blocked the junction. I think that gets really gets people very, very frustrated. And here's a bit of good news for us. We have an update on the horse and rider sculpture in Mallow that uh, has been taken down from the roundabout in Annabella. Is it over two years now? It's down and lots of people are saying, what's happened to it? Where's it gone? People are missing it. People loved that old sculpture. The roundabout was done up and due to new rules and regulations and health and safety and all of that, the council were not allowed to put the horse and rider sculpture back up on Annabella roundabout because it's too high to meet the new rules and regulations. It was okay when it was originally put up and people are wondering what's what's been happening to it. Well, the Cork County Council have gotten on to us too and they apologised first for the delay in getting back to a spot that they can now tell us. The new site for the horses and riders sculpture is to be located on the eastern verge of the N20 near the southbound slip-on ramp after the Blackwater River Bridge. The site has been selected and deemed to be the only suitable public site in or close to Mallow that fulfils the various safety, engineering, traffic and aesthetic criteria. The sculpture was originally commissioned as part of the Percentage for Art scheme associated with the Cork to Mallow Road projects back in the 1990s. The particular piece in question representing a chance meeting between two horse riders 
stopping for a chat was at the time uh, appropriately located on the intersection of the N20 and N70, the National Crossroads of Munster and has over the years become very much associated with Mallow. It is now considered fitting that it should be repositioned and exhibited in a suitable public space in or close to Mallow adjacent to the N20 road where it can still be visible to passing motorists without being a traffic hazard yet also accessible for for pedestrians to properly view and uh, appreciate it. And when is the big question because that's the question we keep getting from everyone. When are the horses and riders going to go back out on public display? The the email from Cork County Council ends with it is intended that following some minor repairs and cleaning that the sculpture will be relocated to its new position during 2019. 2019 12 months in 2019 so they're not giving us a when but it's going to happen next year okay next year and hopefully early in the new year rather than later and thanks to uh, the communications office at Cork County Council for that. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Burnford National School. They are looking for a school cleaner. It's to work approximately 14 hours a week. Rainbow Recruitment are looking for three people in the Mallow and Cork City area for busy manufacturing companies. While Classic Windows in Ovens are looking for window fitters for replacement and new house divisions. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, there are approximately 55,000 people living with dementia in Ireland today with a figure expected to double by 2031. Eileen O'Keefe is a dementia specialist with St Luke's Home and she joins me in studio to outline details of a free community dementia service. Also in studio is journalist Michelle McDonough, who recently shared the heartbreaking story of how she lost her dad to dementia in the Irish Times uh, newspaper. Good morning to you, ladies. And you're both uh, very welcome. Michelle, I'm going to start with you. Firstly, sympathies um, to you on the death of your dad. I know it's just over um, a year year ago. But tell me a bit about your father before he was diagnosed with, with dementia. What kind of a man was he? Well, he would have been the life and soul of the party. Dad was a singer in a band when he was younger, before we were born. Um, so the band was called The Magnets and he was the singer. His brothers played various instruments and they used to pack out Glenine Rugby Club every Saturday night. So um, he continued, you know, singing over the years, not not for a living, but any function that was on, Dad would be up at the mic. He was jolly, he had big, huge, twinkly blue eyes. Kids loved him. All our friends just gravitated towards him. And my brother, my brother got married last year and there were grown men in tears at the wedding when they saw dad because wow. they remembered at the training practices, the, the soccer training, he there was a, always a mad dash. There was a line of lads lined up to get into dad's car afterwards because they knew the music would be blaring. They'd stop for crisps and ice pops on the way home and they'd be driving along the road. This was I suppose in the 80s now. With there'd be three of them in the boot with their legs hanging out <laughs> driving no along, health and safety in those days yeah. so he was always full of crack full of beans so a house full of music then was it growing up um, well none of us actually got did his I, musical abilities or played instruments but he he would always have been singing never stopped singing and then your mother died and how did he cope with being a widow he didn't cope well with that at all she was only 57 and it was very sudden it was, it was cancer but it, it, it came very suddenly at the end 
and there wasn't much time, you know, three months really from diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. So he, he really didn't cope with that. He gave up work, which was probably and we encouraged him at the time because things were difficult at work. He was a sales rep, um, but we never expected that he wouldn't ever work again. And I think that was a, a bad thing for him, for a man you know, fit, you know, 57 years of age to give up work at that age. Mm. He still golfed, um, but he really spent a lot of time, I suppose, at home watching TV when he should have been um, out, out working and, about. and still, yeah, still engaged. But no, no health issues no at that stage. Issues, no, no. So w- when as a family did uh, uh, and did he himself start to realise that something was wrong? We never noticed anything to do with memory problems or dementia until um, I got married in Spain in 2008. And the day after the wedding, he announced after staying up all night long with all the young fellas drinking and smoking all night, he smoked major. He told me that he wasn't supposed to be at the wedding at all because his carotid artery was 90 percent blocked. And this would be dad now. He's just, uh, you know, full of crack and, and wasn't never going the, to miss the your wedding and was not yeah. going to my, miss my wedding. Um, but basically he was uh, he'd had a mini stroke while playing golf, but he was still able to to function. He didn't fall or anything like that. It was just he went to be checked after it. He had an issue with his eyes and he was told he had a mini stroke and he had to have this operation to um, get a stent put into his neck. Um, so we didn't really notice anything until, you know, a few years after he had the stent put in. The damage had been done before that. Um, due to the lack of oxygen to the brain. So it was from about 2013, very, very slowly, different symptoms. And really the first thing was when he started to lose his words, simple words like cot or car or dog, he just couldn't find them. It was like they were they were gone. And then he started to lose the words down, you know, further down the line. He used to sing to my kids. He was amazing when my children were born because two of them had colic. So he came down for a week at a time and he held them for hours and sang to them. And then he started losing the words of the song. And it was very, very difficult. And I suppose he was before his time, unlike many men of his generation, dad was very he would tell us how much he loved us constantly, how much he loved us. Which is that that generation that wasn't the easiest thing for that generation. No, no, it wasn't wasn't the norm. Do you remember when the word dementia was mentioned? Yes. um, He was at that stage, we started to think there is something here, there's, there's memory issues, but we never really thought it was dementia and we never really knew that much about dementia either that, you know, it was it was incurable and we, d- we didn't know much about it. Um, and it was a shock. But at the same time, it seemed like something that was a lot further down the line because it was the early stages and he still seemed normal enough and he was, you know, still functioning quite well. And he was living at home. Your brother lived with him, wasn't he it? Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but my brother lived and then in Galway. We should mention you're from Galway, from Galway so so yeah. your dad was in Galway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he used to come down to you. Did he, he came come down, down lot, and, yeah. and 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 he would stay. Yeah. Um, did you consider nursing home care, and and was that a discussion that you had as a family? No, because I suppose if you saw dad, and you know, he was fit, he was agile. Um, he didn't look like somebody who'd I, I did go to look at a couple of nursing homes at the end and I just felt everybody in the nursing homes was was so much older than him. And a lot of them were very frail, particularly in the dementia unit where he would have been going. But his team had said to us, he's he's you know, they couldn't understand how we had kept him at home, how my brother had kept him at home for so long. He was hanging on a, a thread, basically. Mm. But in fairness, like he, he he did spend a lot of time on his own at home. There was a little bit of home help at the end, but he's he was hours there every day. Um, when my brother was at work where he was on his own and that's actually what he wanted he didn't like having people coming in on top of him he wanted to sit there and watch the television but then we knew we knew we were in trouble 
when dad was no longer able to manage the TV or the remote control. He used to watch his old westerns over and over. And then my brother would come home and catch and find him standing there, basically nearly kicking the television, roaring and shouting in complete frustration because this one outlet that he had, this thing that he loved to do, was was, was nearly the last of a lot of, of different things that was taken taken from him. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And did he get very angry and very agitated? Yeah. yeah was that that was that for a family must have been very hard. Very, very hard. Very hard. And one of one of the hardest parts was not knowing how to to deal with it ourselves. If he was roaring and shouting and it sounds terrible that, you know, you'd be roaring and shouting back at somebody with dementia. But you, when you're dealing with this constantly day in, day out and the constant repetition of questions and towards the end, you know, you're, you might be being accused of different things and paranoia. And it wasn't dad. It was this really angry, bitter, irritable person. My children used to say, why is granddad so cross all the time? And we explained that granddad's brain was broken. And they kind of understood that then. My oldest daughter would still have lovely memories of him. But the other two don't have those memories, yeah. you know, which is sad. That's a, that. And then... Yeah. Describe to me what happened, and this is what you wrote about um, in the in the Irish Times uh, a couple of, of months ago, Friday the twenty seventh of October of last year. Um, I suppose first of all, I'd want to say to anybody who's listening who has dementia or who's caring for a family member or a loved one with dementia, what happened to Dad is not the norm. Unfortunately, it was due to complete lack of support and resources in Galway that Dad, you know ended up where he did end up but it's not the norm and you know don't want to frighten but, yeah, with absolutely. his his story well is particularly tragic um, he had he'd been staying in my house and he had some kind of an episode and from that point we knew he needed full time care and our only option was a nursing home 
Um, so I tried to break the news to him that Friday morning um, probably didn't do it in the best way. He was shouting at me. I was shouting at him. He was telling me to get out of his house. He'd call the guards on me. And we called the team in the hospital. Um, the two nurses came out and they said he was a danger to himself and to others. And there was no option because it was a Friday evening, but to have him um, committed basically to an acute psychiatric unit. So I signed the committal forms and he was taken off in the back of a squad car and um, he was dead six weeks later. He gave up on life, basically. He gave up eating, he gave up drinking and he refused all medication oh, and he just gave up. That's incredible. That's just incredible. And for a man who uh, probably never had even been in, inside no. a guard station except to get a passport no. application signed. In, in psychiatric that is, is really, let me bring in um, Eileen O'Keefe, who, as I say, is a dementia expert. Um, Michelle's story is absolutely har- harrowing. And as you say, hers, hers is rather extreme. But would you have come across similar in what Michelle is talking about, the lack of advice and the lack of support? Absolutely. I suppose <clears throat> just to give a bit of background in terms of St. Luke's Home, it's in operation about 140 years and we provide long term care, respite care, daycare services. And um, it's part of the reason that this community service has been developed, because we meet people on a constant basis where they may be living with dementia for quite a few years, but their awareness of what services are out there or even what to expect as things go along. Um, may not be, you know, they can come in and they'll often turn around and say, if I'd only known that a year ago, if I'd known that was the way to speak to somebody, you know, life would have been made much easier. So unfortunately, it is very common. I think it's such a life changing um, diagnosis for people to get. Um, And unless there's supports in place from the start, there's a sort of coping mechanism that goes on where people go day to day um, and there Do is people a lot hide it? Is is there a taboo around dementia? There is. Um, there is. I suppose there's still. It's improving, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. So whether it's the media or whether it's us as the general public, what we say and how we act has such an impact on people. So it's very common for maybe a spouse who's caring for somebody who's been diagnosed with d- dementia that they start to remove themselves socially as well because every conversation about they meet somebody in the supermarket and it's like oh isn't it terrible about John I heard he dementia oh sure that's awful and you know he was a great man and it's all this negative 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 um, and we know from experience that family members and people who live with dementia talk about people crossing the road you know I think people don't know what to say I think there's a misunderstanding. There's this idea that people with dementia won't know if you've come to visit them, they won't remember or, you know, but they absolutely have the impact of how they feel in terms of how you interact with people. Sometimes you'll see people speak over people or they might ask the person who's with them, how are they now? You know, and they're standing there. And it's almost like, yeah, Yeah. it's almost like they've become invisible and nobody's doing it. meaning bad they they just don't have a proper understanding of what dementia is and I suppose it's something and um, we're delighted with the opportunity today to just normalize it as part of conversation as you said we've got 55,000 people that's probably an underestimation um, that's out there with our aging population which is a fantastic thing it's going to mean that more people are developing dementia and there's also I read I mean it, it, it doesn't just affect older people No, about 10% of people are under 65 
and I suppose they are faced with additional challenges firstly um, they may be still working they may have a mortgage on their house they may have children in school in college um, it's not going to be the thing that you assume is wrong um, so even sometimes when they access services everybody else is there might be 20 30 years older than them um, but about 10% of people are under 65 and again they can have difficulty accessing the services because when a lot of the services were set up they were set up with the intention that they're for older people so you can't actually access them unless you're over 65. My God. Um, tell me about this your community dementia service and uh, so how it um, that was set up this year and we officially launched it on the 21st of September which was World Alzheimer's Day and I guess what it is really is, and I mean, I suppose I should say there are some amazing services that are out here in Cork. We have the Crystal Project here in North Cork. We have the Alzheimer's Society um, and there's an assessment and treatment unit in St. Finbar's. But even with all of those services, we were coming across people day by day who hadn't access to any of those services. So what we're trying to do, I suppose, is raise awareness and provide support along the journey and hopefully make it a more positive thing. Because while it is a very challenging road ahead for people um, and, and there is unfortunately no cure for dementia, people continue to live with it. So it's about trying to take some of the fear and some of the stigma out of it. Um, make sure that the person who has dementia is included from the start because we're still finding that a lot of people, their diagnosis isn't being discussed with them. And so that's important. It's very important because we don't do it with any other illness. Mm. It used to happen with cancer maybe 30 years ago. You had Doesn't people out in the anymore. hallway yeah. and it was like, you know, they your mum has cancer C. and yeah. don't tell, you know. Yeah. And, and again, people did it out of meaning well. We now understand better that everybody's entitled to their rights um, and to enable them to um, understand what's happening and plan for the future. And I suppose what I would love to see is a more positive and inclusive approach around dementia. I suppose from our point of view in the kind of medical profession and things, the terminology we use has changed very much over the years. But out there, whether it's in the media or the general public, you're still hearing the long goodbye, a living death. Now, if you walk in and you're told that you have this condition and these are the words that are surrounding you and you're a demented person, if that's what's out there, I mean, how could you have hope or how could you be positive? Whereas when we look at people now with cancer, you know, even people who might have been uncomfortable talking about it years ago, they'll come home and they'll say, oh, I met Mary and she's having her six week treatment now. It's just part of our normal conversation. And even when we get to a point where maybe cure is no longer possible, we very much embrace the idea of quality of like life, making memories, making the most of the time they have doing the bucket list. Mm. And if we had that approach around dementia. And why not? And why not? You know? And Michelle, listening to Eileen, I, I take it you're sitting there saying, I wish I'd had somebody like that in. in Completely. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's um, St. Luke's got in touch with me after the article and I went out to meet with Eileen and I just thought if we had had an Eileen, things would have been so different for us. Um, we probably wouldn't be, we'd be probably still a bit haunted by guilt, but po possibly not as much. We just became so overwhelmed by everything because we didn't. Eileen um, at St. Luke's, they provide courses for people and they provide carers groups. They actually train you in how to communicate with somebody who has dementia because you, you just don't know. I mean, it's it's this disease. It's it, it's so difficult when somebody's asking you the same question. I drove from Cork to Galway with Dad and I'd say every two minutes 
he asked me the same question. Oh How do God. I know you? How do I know you? And I said, I'm your daughter, Dad. You're safe with me. You, you know, I'm, I'm looking after you. Oh, you're lovely. You're lovely. Why did nobody tell me that before? Two minutes later, the same question over and over. And it, it's so wearing when it's constant like that. And then you end up, you know, maybe you become irritable or you snap and you just feel so guilty. Yeah. You know, but and, you, and you, you've nothing to feel guilty. Sure, she doesn't, darling. You've, Absolutely you not. You really, and, and you've just nothing. You've, you've did nothing but the very best for your dad. But you know what? It's amazing. No matter how many times, and his own medical team would tell us that, and Eileen would say that, it doesn't matter. I know, I know. You feel, you feel the guilt. I know, um, I know. Well, there's a couple of books I might mention, if that's okay, that... Um, yeah, please we, do. I only kind of came, came across them after... after um, we lost dad. One is Contented Dementia and it's by the Sunday Times um, bestselling author Oliver James. He's a psychologist and it's, it's a lovely book. Um, it explains um, how that while, you know, somebody with dementia inc- experiences frequent memory blanks relating to recent events, their feelings remain intact and their memories of past events. And these can be used to, to you know, to substitute for the re- for the information that has been lost. He's got lovely ideas, you know, of how you can improve the quality of life of some for somebody with dementia. Okay. And um, there's a lady, an OT in the US, who Eileen would be aware of, Tipa Snow, and she's at tipasnow.com, and she has lovely, really useful videos and resources about meaningful activities and the use of music to improve quality of life. And it's it's about helping people with dementia to feel valued and productive and purposeful. And if that means giving a lady who used to be very house proud, a duster. Yeah. And they give her one chair that she's allowed to dust because otherwise she'd be going around dusting all the residents yeah, and annoying makes, them. Makes her that feel makes important. Her happy and, yeah. you know, she's got this sense of achievement. And then there's another book, Confidence to Care by Molly Carpenter. And that's got a lot of really practical, simple advice on everything from handling anxiety and agitation to the false accusations and the rummaging, which is a, which is a big part, rummaging around in bags and things. Um, all of which can be quite draining. Yeah. OK, well done. Well, uh, well done. And Eileen, you're running a memory cafe. Yes. Yeah. So um, we've had two already. So what we did was we looked at the services that are there and when people would really want them. So it's usually on the third Saturday of the month. Um, it's on from two until four. So we're actually having one this Saturday. It's our Christmas party and it's for people who um, are living with dementia and their families to attend. It's very much a social gathering. It's a safe space to be in, safe from the point of view that you don't have to worry. Does somebody say something or do something inappropriately that people will be staring? Even a simple thing like going out, having a coffee or having a meal on your own with somebody who has dementia, especially as it advances. And if you have a man and a woman, the simple thing of going to the bathroom, if I go into the bathroom, will they remember to be there and not walk off when I come back out? You know, carrying hot things coming down. So you've got them sitting, but are they sitting somewhere that you can see? There's so many things they have to take into account. The only table we can get is near the door. But actually, when I go up to pay, you know, they're all the things that we just take for granted when we go out. Um, So it's a place essentially to have fun. It's a place to come. They meet myself. We've got excellent trained volunteers who are there. Um, Nobody's asked about their diagnosis. It's not a medical facility. It's just come in and um, almost leave the dementia at the door. It's about doing something fun together because as Michelle said, it can get really emotionally draining for people where they're repeating the conversation and then maybe they they snap or whatever. And there's such a change in relationships as well as things progress. So, 
your husband who was the person you told all your woes to and made you feel better it can feel like more of a one sided relationship now and it can become a very lonely space and Probably the most important thing is they get to meet people who are in the same situation. That's I think support that mechanism. Of, is, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, feeling of loneliness and isolation and just to meet people. And what we've heard back from people is they get an awful lot out of being able to maybe help somebody who's maybe newer on this road and they can benefit from their advice and things like that. OK, well. and wh- how can you be contacted? Either? So um, it's as simple as ring me. Um, they can ring St. Luke's Home, which is 021-435-9444 or my mobile is 086-196-1529. And I guess the really important thing to say is everything is absolutely free to access. You don't need a medical card because, again, that's a barrier to some services. It's not restricted by age. So, again, if you're under 65, we run family carer courses. We have a family support group once a month. We have the Memory Cafe once a month and we are going to be starting a Living Well with Dementia program in January, which is actually for people who have been recently diagnosed. And the idea is that they come and get the information firsthand and that they feel empowered and involved in whatever is going well to done. happen. Going well forward. done. St. Luke's are lucky to have you. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and and I we I better declare uh, because I know some people will be listening going, that's Eileen, her friend. Um, <laughs> Eileen and I, uh, our relationship goes back to Belarus we would have met first in, in Belarus and as regular listeners to this programme will know Marcia, my daughter was adopted from uh, an institution in Belarus called Novinki and Eileen sitting across the table from me uh, was one of the first volunteers to ever go in as a nurse and work in, in Belarus and what she's done for the kids in Belarus is outstanding she is, she's you're an incredible human being you're, and I've, I've often said that when I get old and grey I want Eileen O'Keefe or an Eileen O'Keefe type person at the end of my bed with more nurses like you girl uh, we'd, we'd have a great health service so the best of luck with this uh, new venture for you because it is fantastic Michelle McDonough thank you for your honesty Can I just say that St Luke's is a charitable organisation It is indeed we should have mentioned that always, um, always in need you know, always in need of donations and people can donate through the website or get in touch with St Luke's too. OK thanks a million thanks thank for joining us both in the studio and Sergeant Tony Cronin joins me in the studio from Malagard the station for this week's uh, Guard the File uh, Good morning to you Tony Good morning and we start with burglaries Yes uh, Patricia we've had uh, a few burglaries in um, surrounding areas in the last week to 10 days and we started one yesterday it was in Scartine Lower in Newmarket and it was a daytime burglary sometime after 2pm uh, in and up to the hour of 10 o'clock last night there was um, a house broken into in Lower Scartine uh, Newmarket now it's country area uh, where the house was situated but you need transport again you know getting in and out uh, to this location so we would be asking people to think back yesterday um, very cold day yesterday mm. uh, maybe you were saw someone hanging around and they weren't dressed properly you know you'd say it was heavy clothing you know yeah um, that you your attention would be drawn to them possibly because we'd say they possibly just hopped out of a car or having a quick look around see was there anyone watching them so we'd ask again please think back yesterday afternoon anytime from 2 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the Scartine area of Newmarket did you see any car acting suspiciously or any person hanging around any of the houses in this area if you did please give your local Garda station uh, call on that because uh, what we actually have is we have travelling um, uh, people travelling uh, participating in burglaries in different areas they hit sections of, of, of um, and then they move from one and area on. onto another area and what we've had in the span uh, in, in the last week or so is a silver Audi A3 
and it has been seen on numerous occasions um, in the area and at times there's two or three males uh, in this care. So we would ask the, the public just to think back, maybe it could have been in Cantork, you could have been in Jarville, you could have been in Mallow from my Mitchellstown and you might have seen a silver audio tree, you might have recognised someone in it and if you did, please contact the Gardaí and at least they can be uh, eliminated from the inquiry okay. or we can progress it further. We did move on to um, last Monday week. Um, this is a different type of burglary again now. And it happened in a very short space of time. This last Monday week, the 3rd of December. And it happened between 11 and 11.45 a.m. Where out in Ga- uh, Derk, just beyond Charleville on the road for Kilmallock, um, people entered a shed at the back of a house and they took two specific type of racing bikes. Now, these are... Um, Expensive bikes. Those bikes, are We're aye. talking, we'll say, a thousand euro, this kind of category. And they will um, obviously be offered for sale. And particularly this time, time. Yeah, for this time of year, yeah. And we're talking like um, an Eon Futura uh, pedal cycle. So it's a specific type of um, racing bike. Um, and the second one is uh, the same type bike, and it's white and yellow in colour. So they, they will uh, be offered, we'll say, they're a very expensive bike. And they will be offered to people, you know, maybe not in this area or it could be 30 or 40 miles away, but they will be uh, sold on if, if they're not recovered in the meantime. So we'd ask uh, the public again. It's last Monday week. I know it's... it's uh, and again, transport would have been needed. Transport needed yeah. again, yes, because it was only three quarters of an hour, uh, 11 a.m. to 11.45 a.m. when this uh, opportunist crime took place. Okay. Uh, we then move on to last... Uh, Yesterday week, it was the, the 5th of um, December, and this uh, burglary occurred in uh, Glenview, out in Lyre, just outside Bantier, country area again, and it was a, a daytime burglary. It occurred sometime between 20 past 1 and 10 to 5, so three or four hour period. So uh, someone who had left the house and... Um, may or may not have been watched but we'll say people are coming up they're checking do- uh, doors of houses ringing the bell is there an answer if the, there is an answer they're giving an excuse as to why they came sorry wrong house whatever it is or they're looking not, for directions or they're looking for yes. yeah yeah they'll come and up with something then if there's no reply or they don't see anyone uh, in the house uh, they'll walk around they'll check to see is everything secure and if it's not they're they'll right. gain access yeah. and this is what um, they did here they got access from the back of the house and uh, items of uh, jewellery were taken in this. So again, um, we'd encourage the public to think back. Uh, it's the 5th of December. It was yesterday week, last Wednesday week. And it was again half 20 past half past one to 10 to four out in Lyre. Maybe you were um, passing the school, dropping kids or collecting kids and you could have been travelling in this direction out in Glenview in Lyre and you may have seen a car that you wouldn't recognise as being a local car there for that house. Um, we'd ask you please just to give the local guard a, a call and uh, to give them whatever assistance you can. We then have another burglary again uh, last Monday week, which was the, the 3rd of December, and this happened uh, in the early hours of the morning at 1.40am. And uh, it was a premises in um, the west end of the market, and uh, we, we can say that this Audi A3 was at this location. So there was three males on board and we'd asked the uh, public again, we're looking for assistance here because uh, the premises was broken into from the front on the main street. So it all, they obviously made noise, they were disturbed 
if you saw them acting suspiciously around Newmarket at any earlier, maybe earlier, yeah. yes, and and watching to see any movements, anything like that. Um, the Gardaí in Newmarket would be delighted to get a call on this if we could progress this uh, investigation, and uh, especially since we are aware that there was a specific type of motor car in, involved and that there was three people observed. So they were in the area for a short period of time, but we'd ask the public again, please think back and see, would you recognise the number or can you give any description or name as to the people that were present at the time? And finally, then we have two items, and this is going to be topical probably for the coming months, where we had um, premises of uh, sporting premises that were entered uh, over a weekend we had a soccer pitch, um, the grounds were entered and uh, the shed and um, a lot of property was taken out of the shed and also we had a GA pitch and we're talking about Churchdown and Butfant. So we had items like uh, power washers, uh, strimmers and leaf blowers, um, things like that. And they're, they're items that the clubs have to fundraise for and you know what I mean? Yes. It's, and it's really galling. It, uh, do you know, we're, we're talking like every item here, like it's a couple of hundred euro. Mm. So... Again, like we'll say, take Botafund uh, on New Street. There, it's um, it's a secure uh, premises and uh, there's big front gate. So obviously they had to gain access through the field. So they came in possibly from the side, and uh, we asked the public please to think back. It's uh, last weekend, and we're talking Saturday night, Sunday, and uh, if you remember anything or see any car hanging about, they could have been up the Kentork Road, uh, watching on. Uh, would you please give the RD in Bodfin to shout on that? Um, again, also the same weekend out in Churchstone, just up from um, opposite the, the the nursing home, and the fine set up again there. Premises locked and secured, and it was broken into. So there would be a lot of people passing in Bodfin also. That would be a busy enough road. You'd have people attending the um, nursing home, etc. So you'd always have people passing up and down. And these items will come on sale. They're all industrial uh, items, but they can be sold privately also. OK, I'm going to have to leave it there. We're, we're over on time. Um, uh, Tony, listen, thank you for that. And um, thanks uh, for joining us. And I know you wanted to give advice. You just want to say to people to be careful when they're out and about at Christmas with their money and, and if you're carrying extra cash and that. Yes, just very quickly, just the elderly people, if you're going to the bank or the post office, try to get a family member or a reliable friend uh, to accompany you for safety only uh, not to worry you but just for safety so that there's someone with you at all times because you might be taking out that little bit more money at yeah. this time of the year and if you're suspicious of anybody watching you draw attention to it go go, go to somebody get, uh, That's get, it, get exactly. the help and also to shop, shop, shoppers please uh, watch your purses wallets etc and handbags over this time because shops will be very busy and it's easy to get distracted ok have a great Christmas and uh, thanks for all your reports uh, throughout the year That's Sergeant Tony Cronin you're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed.
that's Elton John on C103 and Step Into uh, Christmas. Talking of stepping into Christmas, uh, Christmas, I've been asked to mention on behalf of uh, Liz Meyer Live Crib that they're running the Live Crib at the Liz Meyer GAA grounds again this year from next Monday, the 17th of December up to Saturday, the 22nd of December between 7pm and 9pm each evening. Admission is free and people are invited to come along and meet the animals that kept baby Jesus warm at the live crib and they will open on Saturday it's Saturday the 22nd at four in the afternoon and that's to uh, facilitate the smaller children who uh, maybe might be in bed between seven and nine and it's, it's too late. Uh, parents um, don't want to take the children out in the evening time. So 4pm on Saturday but 7pm to 9pm Monday the 17th to Saturday the 22nd of December. The Liz Meyer Live Crib and it's at the Liz Meyer GAA uh, grounds. Can I repeat the number for the dementia um, community Dementia Care Service I can. It is Eileen O'Keefe is, um, who's running it. She's a specialist dementia advisor and clinical nurse manager at St. Luke's. The St. Luke's home number is 021 435 9444 and Eileen's mobile number is 086-196-1529 086-196-1529 and the good thing about that community dementia service is it is free. Information and advice that give a personalised support and a single point of contact throughout. We wish everybody uh, luck with that and if you need it please reach out reach out and take the help that's on offer there. Now what else is coming into us? Picking up on Sergeant Tony Cronin who was advising us at the end of his piece on the, on the number of burglaries that, that we've had in the last couple of weeks, just for everybody to be mindful and be careful that not everyone is as trustworthy when you're out and about at Christmas. Older people, if you're please try not to be carrying large sums of money. And if you are going to have a large sum of money on you, have somebody else with you. Just be careful. And if you are getting suspicious that somebody is following you, maybe when you've left the post office or you've taken money out of an an ATM machine, alert somebody to the fact. Start talking to somebody, go into a shop, just distract, just get get out of the situation if you think somebody's following you and somebody's making you a bit nervous and a little bit un- uncomfortable. Caller was on to say, would you remind uh, people, Patricia, not to put up on Facebook if they're going away for a few days over Christmas? This gentleman who contacted us said he was burgled lately while he was away and he is suspicious of the fact that he had put it up on Facebook that he was going to be away and the house was going to be empty. So for people, please be uh, careful. And someone else says, Patricia, you might ask Sergeant Tony Cronin, he's left, um, to mention high-vis jackets, please. People out walking in the morning, in the evening, are still not uh, wearing them. If, and you know, thank you for reminding me of that. I've noticed it in the morning, because the mornings are still, you know, quite dark. As we, Where are we now? The 13th of December, as we get up to the 21st of December. Isn't that the shortest day of the year? You can really see the mornings are darker, the evenings dark evenings are coming in much quicker and I think people are just not aware of it and they're heading out expecting it to be daylight certainly in the morning times when I'm coming to work the amount of people that are walking and children going to school high-vis jackets please get, get them on you and have them with you at all times I know some of the young people with their coats they have stripes on them that light them up which is terrific but in many cases it's adults 
that are walking in dark clothes at this time of year. So high vis jackets, please. Let's keep everybody safe on our roads as well. And John says, could you check this out, please? The water is off in the Scart Road area of uh, Bantry. I'll get Bernie to put a call through there to Irish Water to see what the problem is. Scart Road area of Bantry. So hang in there, John, and we'll see if we can get a reply and find out why the water is off in the Scart Road area of uh, Bantry. Get your pet questions in, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet will be uh, joining us answering all your pet questions and this will be our last pet slot actually of twenty nine of 2018 uh, so because we won't be well we will be here next week but we won't be doing the show from the studio we're doing a special Christmas show that we did last year from a special studio at Glow on the Grand Parade kind of a nice festive show we'll be doing that next Thursday so this will be Jane's last pet slot with us for 2018 so if you have a question and we'll, we'll talk to Jane with advice about keeping all of the animals safe over Christmas I don't know if people already are coming a cropper and coming up with some problems at home with the Christmas decorations and all of that if you have a boisterous dog around or a cat I had a cat once who was just obsessed with the Christmas tree and I don't know how many times if only I was able to videotape it where I would walk into the sitting room and the cat was hanging off the tree and just as I got in there the cat, the tree and everything down and baubles smashed and the tree had to be redecorated uh, again. Oh, I remember as well. Uh, 1850-333-103 if you have a pet question or you can text or WhatsApp a pet question to 0862-103-103. Eileen in Carrigaline has been on to us to say last Saturday a parcel was left at her front door from the House of Fraser in England it came to the wrong address now she has not been able to contact the House of Fraser and we've been trying to contact the House of Fraser online as well and we're, we're having difficulty the address on the the address on it is 14 Hillcrest Cork now Eileen's done a bit of trying to check it out and she says there are a number of Hillcrests in Cork she just doesn't know where in Cork it could be Hillcrest in, in the city it could be anywhere in the city it could also be in the county Eleanor as well and there's a name on it now obviously we're not going to call out the person's name because if we get the person's name we then will be able to match up and work out who this parcel is for so we're putting a call out to anybody living in an address Hillcrest is your address. Are you waiting on a package from the House of Fraser? Because if so, uh, Eleanor, who's been very honest about all of this, is in Carrigaline and she has your parcel. So if that rings a bell with anyone waiting for a parcel from the House of Fraser to a delivery in Hillcrest, contact us, please. And uh, if you've got the correct name, we'll be able to match you up with um, Eleanor and we'll be able to get your House of Fraser delivery to you. 1850 333 103. The disabled artist Christmas cards that we were, that came up when I was talking with Eamon Timmins, the charity regulator, and people were saying that they were having, you know, they wanted the cards to stop and people were getting the cards and why would, why, and whether a charity was the big one. And when I went on to the charity's register, I put in the Disabled Artists Association and the search comes up as saying no results found for the search, which means they're not a registered charity. And then I had a text in 
from Ed in Dunmanway to say good morning Patricia I get Christmas cards from mouth and foot painting artists every year don't mind them sending them to me because I always give them a few bob every year but I hope they are a charity says Ed in Dunmanway now I typed in if that is the right name mouth and foot painting artists into the charities register and no result was found for the mouth and foot painting artists. Now we, I, we could have, Ed may have the name wrong on that one so I would have to double check on that to see if it is the correct name but the Disabled Artists Association was the one we checked. We also got back on to Eamon Timmons at the charity regulator and he said they're not a registered charity and then I was making the point they don't have to be a registered chari- charity to sell the cards. It's only wrong if they're if they're claiming to be a charity and they're not. So we put a call through to the disabled artists because they certainly have an address in Cork. But I'm nearly convinced that I got a second set of cards this year that was from an address in Dublin. So there could be another group of them. There could be more than the one. But the one that most of our listeners are identifying with is the Disabled Artists Association in Cork. So we put a call through through to them to say, are you a charity? And first of all, they said they were a charity. And then when Bernie quizzed a bit more, the young lady who answered the phone said, look, I'm only new working with them. I'll go away and check it because Bernie said, could I have your charity number, please? So then she came back and said, actually, we're not a charity. We are a self-help organisation. So then Bernie says, if you, if somebody asks for your name to be removed from the mailing list, will you remove it from the mailing list? Because under data protection, if you contact any company and say, take my name off your mailing list, they have to now by law uh, do it. There was changes to that uh, earlier on this year. And the lady in the Disabled Artists Association in Cork said, absolutely, she will remove your name from the mailing list. So Bernie gave her name because she's been getting the cards as well. And it's just so, every, everyone we seem to be talking about today, because the minute I mentioned it, a load of people said, yeah, I get those cards, I get those cards, I get those cards. And as I say, all well and good, if you want to buy those cards, because I'm, I'm certainly always the one saying buy charity Christmas cards. But just please note, they're not a charity, they're a self-help organisation, which is what they are. But you should only be buying cards or whatever donation to charity because you want to, because you are, you know, you believe in the ethos of the charity or the self-help organisation. But nobody should feel bullied into it. And that's the sense that we were getting with people saying that they didn't want these cards to come anymore and they were sending them back and yet every year they were being sent out um, again. 1850 Eileen and Bannon when we were talking about plastic earlier on, says the amount of plastic waste from the tubs of Christmas sweets is absolutely appalling. The producers should have to pay a plastic tax. Maybe they could be in paper tubs. Wouldn't they be better off if they were in cardboard boxes? You know those lemon sweets, which I can't believe are still in the supermarkets every single Christmas because they are. it's the box of lemon sweets with this picture of Santa Claus on the box. They always remind me of my childhood and they were sort of a part of my childhood Christmas I never liked the sweets that were in that particular box I couldn't wait for the the milk tray or the the roses to be opened instead and my mother had the thing that we always started with the lemons I I don't know why but there and I'm open to correction but theirs is a cardboard box isn't it wouldn't it be much better if all of the sweets and we all buy the sweets we either buy them for ourselves or we buy them to give away as presents wouldn't it be great if they were 
in cardboard boxes rather than in plastic tubs because all of those, the Roses, the Heroes, the Quality Street, the whole lot of them. They're all celebrations. They're all in Ireland in Balancholic is right. They're all in plastic tubs. Now, what what I would suggest if you can is maybe use them. Could you use them to store things uh, in after Christmas rather than putting them straight into the recycling bin? And then I'd have to get back on to our two experts, Tara and Madeline, to find out. I wonder because I would put them, my instinct would tell me put them into the recycling bin. But I'm wondering, can you recycle those? Maybe we'll look at that to see, God, it would be horrific if we discover you can't recycle them. Because I know that the black plastic, you know, if you buy maybe a tray of carrots or a tray of apples or parsnips and they'll come on a black tray and then it's covered in cling film. The cling film is the soft plastic that Madeline was talking about that you can't recycle. But the actual black container that the fruit was sitting in, you can't recycle. For years I was putting that into my recycling bin until I think I actually was watching one of the videos from Plastic Free Kinsale that I realised you can't recycle the black plastic. And I'm now wondering, the plastic that's in the tubs with the Christmas sweets I'm now starting to wonder, can they be recycled? And we uh, will maybe put a call through to uh, Tara and Madeline this afternoon and try and get an answer uh, on that. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And don't forget, get your pet questions in, please, for uh, Jane, our resident vet. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board. They've got donor clinics, Fergo Hotel in Mitchellstown this afternoon between 3 and 5 and again between 7 and 9 tonight and new donors always welcome Skibbereen Community College they're hosting an open evening tonight from half 7 from half 5 to half 7 it's for a school tour and enrolments staff and choir of Skull Pole in Kilfinnan will hold a free choral and festive music concert in St Andrew's Church in Kilfinnan that's tonight at 7 all are welcome bingo will be held in Bandon GAA Pavilion tonight that's at 9pm jackpot and prizes to be won Johalla Pony Club and Longerville House are hosting a coffee morning tomorrow morning from 10am to 12 noon it's in aid of the Ricky Healy appeal all are welcome and Skull Cope Foundation are hosting their annual Christmas Day swim at 12 noon this year sponsorship cards available from Skull Post Office new requirement for this year you must pre-register in order to take part in the swim and you pre-register at www.copefoundation slash skull at swim and Charleville Library will hold an exhibition from tomorrow December the 14th at 8pm called General Election for 1918 uh, a great night of history including stories, maps of the battlefields and Easter 1916 rising display assured. People can bring their artefacts by the way from this time and share their stories and of course tomorrow is the anniversary of the 1918 general election uh, tomorrow the December 14th and that was the, the first uh, election. It was in all Ireland, 32 counties where women were allowed to vote. 1850 333 lines open. And a quick look at some of your calls and comments coming in Dave from East Cork Ploughing says he got a scam call 
from what looks like a Waterford number was a foreign voice claiming legal proceedings are going to be taken against Dave and asking him to call back at the number. Do not call back the number. There's an also, there's a one doing the rounds that makes it sound like revenue. Again, you'll always miss the call and it's leaving a voice mail saying that you need to contact revenue and if you call the number back there will be somebody trying to claim to be from revenue but they're not, obviously. And revenue have put out a warning about that as well. So be careful because they're, they're just changing all the time the scams to make it more convincing uh, but Dave simply just block the number no, and don't worry about it there's nobody taking legal proceedings about you that's for sure good news story for you Mel who contacted us earlier who likes to write short stories and likes to type on an old fashioned typewriter was wondering if anybody had an old fashioned typewriter that he was willing to buy from somebody lo and behold he has been given the offer of a brand new typewriter still in the box from a kind listener isn't that really nice? So that's somebody sitting at home who was a brand new typewriter that never came out of the box it was bought for somebody and then they never ever used it. Heard the plea this morning and has uh, said, yeah, oh, there you go, Mel, you can have it. Uh, so good luck now with the writing of your short stories, Mel. We will expect a bestseller to come off the back of your free typewriter. We're talking about plastic. Martin in Mallow said, I recently bought a cucumber. It was wrapped in soft plastic, which of course is exactly the soft plastic that cannot be recycled. Isn't it absolutely crazy? Talking of recycling, a listener wants to know, anybody taking old Christmas cards? That comes up every year, but normally after the 6th of January, we're putting out those calls. But let's get it out early, if anybody knows. Because in recent years, we found it very hard to find anybody taking uh, old Christmas cards and if you were posting them to somewhere to like a charity that was taking the Christmas cards by the time you paid for the cost of the postage you'd be better off just making the donation to the charity uh, talking of charities somebody sent in details of the mouth and foot painting artists with an address in Dublin and a telephone number wondering are they a charity they might be the same now as the disabled artists in Cork that they're a self-help organisation rather than a charity but we'll try and check it out for you. Might we, if we something back before one, I'll, I'll bring it to you. Kevin in Limerick says, Patricia, I work in a garage. I could be servicing a tractor. Then I might have to go out on a breakdown. I might be sent out in a delivery with a new machine. I might drive three different vehicles. I'll do it all in one working day. How am I going to take a driving licence on me? First, it would get damaged. Farmers and anybody doing manual work, it's a no-brainer. Those of us who live in rural Ireland can't get dressed up in a suit all day and just have the driving licence in your wallet doesn't work says Kev in uh, Limerick Hi Patricia while people are complaining about RTE paying what they do to presenters uh, involved they would be quick to change channels if those same presenters were not competent and not popular. There's competition for their star presenters as their revenue earning potential from ads during those programmes. There's somebody feels they're worth every single euro and cent that they get. Mary says, Patricia, are you going to play the first Noel? You've been playing it for the last 25 years for me as my daughter Noelle's birthday is on uh, Monday. So hopefully you'll play it again. Uh, best wishes. And it's Noelle McSweeney from Knocknaway. OK, will you remind me of that birthday on Monday, Mary? Because I've a head like a feather at the moment. I am planning right across next week bringing in um, Christmas songs. They're kind of the ones we try and play a few every day that you don't typically hear all the time on the radio. Like that's the first Noel is a typical one. And another one I know we always get requested is the the Franks, Kelly's, the 
on the first day of Christmas my two have sent to me that one uh, we always get requests in for that uh, as well so uh, I will certainly dig that one out for you Mary but as I say remind me of it again please on Monday and John says Patricia would you please advertise Christmas social and dance Ballinascarthy Hall on tomorrow night Friday music is by Dermot Lines dancing is from 9.45 to half past 12 and it is fund raising for the hall thank you says uh, John so enjoy that Ballinascarthy Hall uh, tomorrow night from quarter to ten until 12.30am keep your pet questions coming in please I can see uh, pet questions coming in uh, to 1850-333-103 text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 Mary says Trisha I heard you mention about black plastic not being accepted by your bin collection company. I take all my plastic to the recycling centre near me and all the plastics are accepted. I'm wondering, does all the black plastic go to landfill or incinerator? Yeah. I, I know when I looked into it when it was actually the girls from Plastic Free Kinsale put up about the black plastic and it's just we, I think they can be recycled in other countries. We just don't have the facilities here to recycle them. If, if my memory serves me uh, right. So, yeah, I mean, anything that goes into recycling that then gets sorted out and can't be recycled, it will either go to landfill or it will go for incineration. And, of course, at the start of this year, we had China saying finally to Europe, we don't want any more of your plastic because China's already drowning in plastics and they've stopped taking the plastic. So that added in another layer of problems here as to what we do, even with the ones that we are able to uh, recycle. Uh, 1850-333-103 Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, Jane Pickett answering all of your pet questions. Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in the market part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins us in studio for our final pet slot for 2018. Good afternoon to you Jane uh, and you're, you're very welcome and let's start I suppose with the run up to Christmas and talk about the dangers from an animal point of view at this time of year? Mm, like Christmas and the run-up to Christmas is a super exciting time for pets in the household. There's lots of activity going on and for a lot of them that'll be super exciting. They'll really enjoy that. Some more sensitive members of the household, sometimes cats in particular, can get a little bit stressed out. So I think it's important to give them some space to have some quiet time. But from a danger point of view, it is the time of year when we as vets see a spike in certain things happening, which are quite easily preventable. So I think the first one will be eating things they're not meant to. Okay. So there's some really big risks. You have your box of chocolates out, everybody's having a fistful of them and they get left on the table and your little dog sneaks up and very excitedly chomps on a few chocolates or maybe half a box of chocolates and then that's a big problem. So chocolate Chocolates is, are poisonous, isn't mm, they? Yeah. Chocolate, chocolate is highly toxic to dogs and cats. Now in small quantities it might not cause disastrous consequences. I wouldn't under any circumstance advise feeding your dog or cat chocolate voluntarily but if they do happen to get a bit it's always best to contact your now sometimes if it's only a small amount it might not be the most serious thing in the world but what I would say is sometimes it can be if it's dark chocolate in particular or a small dog or cat it can be deceptive how small the quantities are that can have fairly catastrophic consequences so sometimes we see dogs and cats doing things like drinking and peeing more and getting very very high fast heart rates and feeling very unwell quite quickly so I think speed is of the essence if you know something's happened with some chocolate the quicker you contact your vet the better for assistance and some advice other things that can cause major problems that we wouldn't necessarily think of as much are any kind of grapes raisins 
sultanas, things like that. And they're in everything at Christmas. The plum pudding. The plum pudding, Christmas cake, mince, mince pies, yeah, well, the whole shebang. And it can cause massive problems. So for dogs and cats, again, it is highly poisonous. It can cause kidney failure. Um, and sometimes it doesn't have to be that larger quantity. Now, the difficult thing is there is no real defined quantity for how much they need to have for it to have fairly catastrophic consequences. We're all a little bit different and the levels aren't particularly well understood in our animal friends. So what I would say is be particularly vigilant with the mince pies being left on the side or the Christmas cake being left on the counter. Just make sure it's out of reach of any of your pets. And again, if they do have some speed is of the essence, contact your vet for assistance as swiftly as you can because it can avoid a lot of problems later on. I think the last thing I would mention is we're all very tempted to give a few scraps off the table to our dogs and cats and I think in most cases that's reasonably safe provided you're sensible about it so a little bit of turkey just the turkey breast with no fat something like that as a special little treat provided they don't have any kind of dietary sensitivities but I think the things to be particularly worried about are anything very fatty can cause a big dietary upset in your dog or cat they can sometimes get pancreatitis as a result and that can be really really painful um, because of fatty foods but bones in particular there's turkey. lots lying around turkey bones mm. chicken bones chicken wings from let's say the party pieces that you might have out any bones or anything like that are a big 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 problem they can cause big blockages in the intestines and, and can have very very serious consequences the last thing is things off the tree they're really strange things for dogs and cats to play with but they won't necessarily want to eat them but some might necessarily might get kind of chomped down as they're chewing at something they might have got at the tree or let's say the stand-up Santa they might have chewed his head off or the hat off or something like that and again that can cause an obstruction but a lot of the objects particularly bulbs on the tree tend to be a lot sharper so they can cause either trauma to the mouth or again blockage you could, yeah, and serious you consequences. So, so yeah. be really careful. Yeah. What I would normally say to people is keep the, the softer kind of less harmful items at the bottom of the tree where your dog or cat might be and if perchance they do have one it might be less harmful than let's say the sharper pointier ones keep those up as well right, out of reach yeah. your children as well as well as the dogs and cats Absolutely. Um, Anne in Clonakilty said she has bought a Christmas stocking for their dog for the first time she's noticed there's chocolate in that it's a special dog Christmas mm. stocking is that okay? So I think the important thing here is to have a little look at the packaging. So a lot of the time in the the kind of dog stockings that are all packaged up specifically for pets, they'll have it in as something like chocolate drops. But inside them, it's important to just make sure the ingredient is an ingredient called carob, which is something that tastes very much like chocolate. It's a chocolate replacement, but it is safe for dogs and cats. So just double check on the back of the packaging. If it's a reputable source that supplied the stocking, I'm 99% sure it would be be fine. But it's always just worth checking that it's carob on the back. All right, Betty said her Labrador last year got her hands on her paws on um, a, a tub of uh, roses when they found the dog the dog he'd vomited really badly this mm-hmm. was Christmas Eve mm-hmm. into Christmas Day so there wasn't a vet available mm-hmm. she said he was just miserable for the following day but he did recover but he, he mm-hmm. got sick almost immediately mm-hmm. so he would have got it out of his system I think that's the best eventuality to be perfectly honest um, a lot of the time if you do take them to your vet depending on the timing and the quantity of 
the chocolate that goes down sometimes we will kind of induce vomiting in your pet it's kind of being cruel to be kind the quicker yeah. we can get that out of the system the better they'll feel a lot quicker and the safer it is for them so I suppose in, in her case that's kind of the, probably the best thing that could have happened but what I would say is even over the Christmas season all vets will have some manner of kind of out of hours service for emergencies like that so don't hesitate to give them a call if you're worried Okay Kathleen in Cork City is a great animal lover and she wants to wish Jane a happy Christmas and thanks for all the oh, animal advice which is really you. lovely Thank you for that. Uh, hi, uh, question for Jane. Odour from a cat's ears. What mm. could be causing that? A few things. So it could just be waxy, smelly ears. Um, possibly some that might have recently got wet because sometimes that can make the wax and the grit and dirt and any debris in there smell a little bit more pungent. And I think particularly with the wet weather at the moment, that's quite a possibility. But if it's an ongoing problem... I think it most likely could be one of a few things. It could be parasites in the ear. So it could be something like ear mites because that makes a rather pungent smell when they've been sitting there for a little while. It's usually accompanied by a bit of itching, head shaking, things like that. An indication that the cat might be uncomfortable. The other thing that can cause a really nasty smell is an infection down there. Now, either an infection with bacteria or yeasts, an overgrowth of yeast that we would naturally have on our skin. And that can make things smell particularly kind of yeasty, for want of any mm. better words. Which is horrible. It is horrible. And it's horrible for the pet as well, because I think any ear problems, it's it's really irritating. And it's very difficult for them to convey to us that they're uncomfortable. So I think if you do notice the smell persisting, pop to your vet. They'll have a good check out and help you out with that. OK, breed in Mallow. Female Shih Tzu, it's nine years of age. Uh, always suffered with skin problems, but the latest outbreak is on uh, her feet. The paw actually looks quite uh, swollen. She was checked for diabetes early in the year, but the diabetes mm-hmm. all came back clear. What could be mm-hmm. causing that? Itchiness in varying spots that comes and goes and now kind of appearing on the feet as somewhere that we're licking and biting at and making a little bit swollen is is a big concern. I suppose you're very good in in recognising that, you know, the itching is varying from place to place and now it's becoming a little bit more severe. There's a number of things that can cause it very much like our ear. Sometimes it can be parasites and let's say a, a parasite preventative for fleas, mites, lice would be a good place to start again. Um, and you can get that from your vet or your pharmacist. But I think another thing to think about will be whether there's any underlying problem that's causing this itching to flare up over and over again. Maybe something waxing, waning. Now, sometimes that can be um, a depressed immune system that might let little infections appear on the skin more than a, a normal healthy dog. And the fact that Breed says she mm. has had skin problems in the past. Mm. Are Shih Tzu's more susceptible or no? Not particularly. No. We do see it a lot in them because they do kind of have this, this shaggy hair and yeah, it can sometimes yeah. get matted which sometimes doesn't lead to the best kind of environment for the skin but it sounds like we're taking really good care and being very but observant. But we could have an underlying case. condition here. If yeah. It's, yeah. I would be worried that maybe there might be an underlying condition like either a problem with the immune system, the infection fighting part or possibly the immune system reacting to something in the environment like an allergy. Um, so I think it would be best to seek attention just for the foot initially but maybe monitoring ongoing and seeing is there an underlying problem that your vet can figure out for you. Okay, and Mary in Waterford has an Alsatian. It's a pup. They got him three months ago, but he's very snappy. He's not neutered yet. Will neutering help? Mm. This is a bit of a difficult one. Um, They got him three months ago. I assume he's a pup uh, and he's probably... Uh, let's say if he came and three months ago he's probably around five months of age this is prime teenage time for those little dogs um this is the time where they're learning about the world and 
dogs learn about the world by putting their mouth around things pretty much it's kind of like teething essentially mm. but it's not they're just mouthing they're learning it's their equivalent to picking things up with their hands it's like a toddler picking everything up and having a look now that's fine as long as it's objects and it's safe and we're not shredding things and causing problems and potential kind of ingestion of objects it's a big problem if we're mouthing on people or showing any aggression towards people and that's something that should be immediately discouraged it can be very it is an Alsatian. It is an Alsatian, exactly. And it yeah. might be very cute and very harmless at the moment. But I tell you, in a few months' time, when that Alsatian gets a lot bigger, it will not be harmless. And that's a, a difficult behaviour to break once it's established. I think the best thing I can say is give them time out. So as soon as you have any mouthing behaviour happening on your hands or anything like that, put them down on the floor, say no and walk away. So you want to cease that playtime. So essentially he thinks it's great fun playing and mouthing. But what you want to do is have him associate that mouthing behaviour with the fun stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will help to break things. Will neutering help? Neutering may or may not help. What I would say is it can help with aggression to a certain degree, but it really depends on whether that aggression comes from having a lot of testosterone and being very manly or having a, a little bit of fear surrounding that, in which case um, I think have a chat to your vet about at what point castration will be most yeah, appropriate. Yeah, because that, that, that's snapping, as you say. That's yeah. not growling. It's not. No. It's just it's no. it's more in uh, play. Margaret says, Happy Christmas to Jane and will you thank her very much for looking after my little black dog, Gizmo? Oh. <laughs> that's from uh, That's from Margaret. Okay, that's where we leave it. Thank you for that, Jane have a lovely Christmas and all the best for the new year and we'll Thank talk you. again in the new year that's Jane Pick at the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group Caroline says hi hope it's not too late to ask you to give a shout out to the children of Ballynoe Curraglass and Connor schools and all the cast and all the crew who are taking part in Cinderella the first pantomime in Connor uh, in 30 years and it opens tonight that is terrific they're all stars many thanks says uh, Caroline best of luck to all involved there and I'm sure that's going to be a fun fun night and on the mouth and foot painting artists in Dublin. We make contact with them. They tell us they're not a charity. The company is owned by the artists and some of the artists are Irish. It's a worldwide organisation. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.